Hey moms, I am so honored to share this space with you and to be able to welcome you to Beyond Motherhood Radio. Here we will talk all things motherhood and parenting, relationships, mindset, child development, and tapping into your purpose, all to help you live your most aligned and best life. My name is Brittany and I am married to my high school sweetheart, a mother to four children under the age of six, a certified parenting coach and former elementary school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. I'm on a mission to help you raise amazing human beings, live your purpose, and stay somewhat sane in the process. If you're ready to go beyond motherhood, let's jump in. Welcome back to Beyond Motherhood Radio. This is episode 29, and we have officially made it through the busiest months of the year in our home. That's the summer. <laughs> and we have stayed pretty much on track with releasing as many podcast episodes as possible. I think we missed maybe two releases, two weeks. Amidst the chaos, I am honestly pretty proud of that. So I will give myself a little pat on the back here. With that happy school year, I know many of our listeners are embarking on homeschooling this year. Some families are already back to school. And some of us are just going back this week. So no matter where you are or what your plan is for the year, keep in mind that things will feel really hard with your kids some days and then also really smooth other days. The first few weeks are probably, if you have younger kids like me, going to have some tears. And the adjustment period is coming. So as as parents, we can be as prepared as possible for this to happen because we know it's going to (laughs) happen. So what can we do? What can you do to prepare yourself and your kids for this change? I have a transition podcast, a couple of podcasts back. I think I've actually referred to that podcast a couple of times because it just shows up so often in our lives. Transitions happen all the time. And this is another big one, especially with younger kids. If you know that your children tend to react to change with big emotions, start to prepare them now. Uh, The other night I was at the open house for my kids' school and I met up with a family that's friends of ours and uh, we were at the exit door. So we were headed out, but they were not headed out and they weren't leaving. Guess what they were doing? They were practicing going in the door. So They were going through the motions of coming to the door in the morning and walking to the classroom with their child because last year, this process proved to be extremely challenging for this child. So they took the proactive approach this year and attempted to eliminate that struggle or at least prep and prepare as much as possible. So I was so impressed by this, how lucky this child is to have such amazing parents with the foresight to take the time to help their child feel safe and in control as they're entering a new school year and literally as they're entering the school. With that being said, let's jump into the conversation today. I actually think it's really timely because we are headed back to school. And last week we talked about how to yell less. We dove into reactivity in our nervous system. And I hope you came away feeling a little more in control and maybe even found or practiced a sensory calming tool that you could use in times of your dysregulation so that yelling becomes a less frequent coping mechanism for you. And today is part two of three. We will go over how to yell less by understanding childhood development. This is a huge one. One of our goals as parents is to give our children's brains the best environment in which to develop and to grow. And similar to how we would feed them nutrient-dense foods to help their bodies grow, it's important to know what we need to give them 
in order to nourish and to help their brains grow too. But no pressure at all here. Like We have not a big job at all. But let's break it down so that we can all be a little more aware of what's actually going on up there for our kids. Because as much as it might feel like it some days, like your two-year-old is just doing everything to push your buttons, they are developmentally not capable of manipulation. And so when we're Uh, When they're stalling at bedtime and they're asking you for the 10th story, they're not manipulating you. They're developmentally not even capable of doing that. You might be like the millions of other parents who expect your child to have the same brain as you and therefore should act accordingly. Even with me saying that and you hearing that out loud, you might realize that's a silly understanding to have. No, of course our children are not going to be adults. Their brains are not like adults, and that's how we expect them to behave sometimes. So a basic understanding of how the brain grows and develops creates peace in our homes because we can understand how to interact with our children age appropriately. And that's, again, an ideal thought. It's not going to happen all the time. But if we are more conscious of it, more aware of it, take in some of these things today and you know, take a deep breath before we react with yelling or reactivity, Hopefully we can create more calm, more peace. That's our goal here. Simply put, the brain stems control our essential life functions like breathing and heart rate and digestion. The middle brain called the cerebellum coordinates voluntary muscle movement, balance, and posture. The cerebrum is where the higher brain function lives, like our speech and our reasoning and our creativity. The brain doesn't fully develop until our mid 20s. So when we're triggered or when our spouse or teenager or toddler or anyone is triggered, our brains act with a child's capacity. This means we cannot reason with them because an emotionally active person cannot be reasonable. And this is why our conversation last week about nervous system regulation is so, so important. On the contrary, Fear and stress inhibit growth and delay of development of a child's emotional regulatory systems and their prefrontal cortex. So when a child is living in a state of fear and stress, which is literally the outcome of many, many, many parenting styles, their brains do not develop as well. And if we make it a priority to minimize their stress, worry, and anxiety and create safety inside our home or their environment, wherever they are, then they will be able to develop, their brains will literally be able to develop better, (laughs) better. So think about that. What will you do with this information so far? My hope is that you'll make attempts to limit the amount of worry and stress that you're potentially causing your child. And I say that with love, But the world will provide enough stress for our children as is. And we don't have to do anything about that. That's just the way the world is. The world will provide that for them. They'll get enough opportunity to experience worry and stress without us. So let's make a point to make our children less stressed, if at all possible. Abandon the tough love. Abandon the pushing to achievement. Abandon the overscheduling. And expecting only excellence. With those things, we're really doing them no good in the long term. So let's dive a bit into general brain and child development. This is not all-encompassing, and it does not consider neurodiversity or other medical diagnosis that may impact development. So just keep that in mind as I'm going through some of these terms and some of this um, conversation. Now, we're going to talk first about the low brain. The low brain begins to develop at birth and comes to mature around two or three. 
The body here is the main focus for development at this time. Physical coordination and balance, that's what they're focusing on. That's what a child is focusing on. And that makes sense, right? Well, they're trying to walk and um, run and jump and do all of these things physically. Children are seeking safety and then they are learning language and they're learning patterns at this time. And when they're stressed, children at this age cannot follow verbal cues. They have very little impulse control. So if you have a child that's two or three, you're probably like, yeah, well, duh, because they just hit me at any point or they just go up to their sister and, you know, smack them in the face. But here's the kicker. They are 100% dependent on co-regulation to calm down and cannot follow verbal cues. This means they need a safe and nurturing adult who is intentionally and emotionally regulated themselves to aid in their calming down. They cannot do it alone. And saying stop crying will literally get you nowhere and will trigger their, their stress response even more. So this is going to require a greater need for that co-regulation. So it's just going to be a cycle. Over 50%, 56% actually to be exact, of parents think that children have the impulse control to resist the desire to do something that's not allowed before the age of three. And that's just simply not true. This ability to have this impulse control doesn't even start to develop until age three and a half to four. So in this case, asking a child to follow a spoken rule is rarely beneficial. Redirection and play are definitely more effective. Then we go to our middle brain. This begins to develop around age three and it matures between the ages of seven and 12. So this is a huge range here. This is a huge range and this is probably where a lot of our kids fall. This is the point where feelings and emotions start to become the main focus of development because we're kind of like our, our physical bodies are kind of there and we're we're ready to go. We're ready to move, right? Children are learning more about their feelings and how to contain them, also to how to express them. However, they are still completely dependent on co-regulation when stressed. Again, co-regulation being they need a safe adult to help them to calm down in the moment. They can't be left to their own devices to try and figure out how to do that. So this, again, goes back to if we are going to help them co-regulate, which they are 100% dependent on, they need our help. We cannot be dysregulated as adults either. And this, again, goes back to our conversation last week about our nervous system and how to regulate that in the moments of stress so that our yelling does not get out of control too. Because if we're taking it back to the topic today, it is how to yell less. The middle brain is where our emotional regulation and impulse control take place. But again, it's just developing during the 7 to 12 age range. This is also when our belief systems are developing as well as our limiting beliefs. So if we are not in a safe environment, we will literally get stuck with thoughts of less than or I can't do something or the inability to see a solution. The next part of the brain that we want to talk about is the frontal lobe or the prefrontal cortex. And this develops around ages 7 to 12, but it doesn't fully mature until age 25. So as long as a child has been raised in a loving and safe environment, the prefrontal cortex begins to develop, but it does not literally take flight until adolescence when the brain is, you know, reforming itself. Um, some of the things that happen in the prefrontal cortex are foresight and consideration of the future. So when we ask a child what they want to be when they grow up and they don't even 
know or they don't give an answer or they don't give an answer that you think is like acceptable, they don't even have the concept of future. So consider that when we put the pressure on the articulate answer. The doctor asked my 10-year-old nephew at his well check over the summer um, what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he just looked at the doctor and said, I don't know. I'm just a kid. And I love this so much. And it's so true. Let's just let them be kids for just a second because they're going to grow up faster than we can believe it. (laughs) And it's not like he, you know, this child doesn't have ambition. He's super smart. He's very athletic. And he's also clearly very intuitive and he just gets it. So some other skills that are just beginning to develop include understanding cause and effect. So think about how many times your child will jump off a piece of furniture, continue to get hurt, do it again and again and again. They sometimes don't even make the connection between the cause and the effect, right? I'm getting hurt because I'm jumping. And so saying, I told you so, doesn't help the situation either because they don't know that you told them so. They don't, that doesn't make any sense to them. They can't make that cause and effect connection yet. This is also when the delay in gratification starts. This is shocking to know that it takes so long for this skill to develop, coupled with impulse control. Other skills that are starting to develop with a prefrontal cortex between ages 7 and 12 are flexibility, focusing, understanding, reasoning, stopping violent aggression before it becomes violent, the ability to follow multi-step directions. So we expect even kids in kindergarten who are not even seven to follow multi-step directions, to sit there and focus, to have flexibility when the schedule is changed. All of these things we are expecting them to do or be able to do, and they literally can't do it. And I've talked before about how I feel like kindergarten is the new first grade and Um, pre-K is the new kindergarten and it's just getting a little bit more rigorous each and every year when brain science tells us that that's not even a capability of our children at these developmentally appropriate ages. So things to keep in mind when you are at your home and you're requesting things of your child that might not make sense for them. Um, Again, we can model and we can practice and we can hold high expectations. I hold high expectations for my kids. I expect a lot out of them, but I also am aware of what they are capable of and what they're not capable of. Um, And this can and often does help me with my regulation. So when we're thinking about young kids and this ability to follow multi-step directions, understand reasoning, focusing, things of that sort that are, again, just starting to develop, we can use tools and resources like a picture chart or a picture prompt um, just to kind of use check marks or lists that are visual for them so that they are seeing what the next step is as opposed to just hearing it verbally. It's so important for young learners, even things like singing directions or whole brain teaching methods, using gestures to connect the brain and the body call and response, things like that, so that they're, it's not just their brains that are trying to to work to focus and develop their flexibility and develop all of these skills that are just starting to develop. They are able to use their bodies as well. So we're going back to their, uh, their low brain, where all of these things have already come to mature. 
the physical coordination and the balance. So if we're taking the low brain skills and we're coupling them with the prefrontal cortex skills, we're able to have better success, better understanding, better flexibility. The prefrontal cortex is truly the home to many of the skills that we as parents, caregivers, and teachers think that our children should possess much sooner than they actually do. So can we use this information to give our children a few extra seconds to process before we yell or raise our voice? I think we can. Understanding child development, even just at this very basic level, the things that I just explained today, allow us to give our children a little bit more grace. They give us grace all the time. They allow us to make mistakes and still wish to be cuddled at night. They forget about our shortcomings and our mistakes, our mishaps. They will forgive us when we yell. So can we give them a little bit of that forgiveness as well? It's not their fault and they're not manipulating us. I hope you took away something today. I hope that your home is becoming a little more peaceful each and every podcast, each and every Tuesday. And I hope you'll come back next week because we have section three, part three of this yell less kind of mini series here. And we'll be talking about emotional intelligence. So fascinating, really interesting stuff. And again, I think you'll find it valuable. Until next week, have a beautiful week. Take care. I hope you loved today's episode, and if you did, would you share it with another mom friend? We cannot support each other enough these days, and perhaps sharing this podcast will bring some light to someone else in your life. Feel free to leave a rating and review so that we can continue to have more important parenting conversations together. See you next time.